Tua. Fires. Touchdown, Miami. Waddle. Snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, we have another special guest lined up for you. My friend, my co-host, my fellow Wiffle Blast champion, O.J. McDuffie, former Miami Dolphins great wide receiver, will join the podcast today to tell us about his experience at the scouting combine, the changes from those days compared to now in 2022, plus a whole lot more with Juice himself from somewhere in South Florida. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins always love talking to this guy about football, life, and everything in between. Let's go ahead and welcome in my guest, my friend, OJ McDuffie. And joining me now on the Drive Time Podcast is the man himself, number 81, my post-game show co-host, the co-host of the Fish Tank Podcast, Wiffle Blast 2022 champion, the toughest mother bleeper to ever share a huddle with Dan Marino, OJ Juice McDuffie. Juice, what's up, baby? How was that intro? Pretty good? Man, that was pretty good, man. Travis, you know, you talk about the wiffle ball champs, man. I didn't do much like you did, but hey, I put a good squad together, didn't I? That's that's the bottom line right there, man. Putting a good team together, right? Hey, GMs get the rings too. That's right. That's right, man. That's right. <laughs> how you been, man? We we haven't uh, we haven't hung out as much other than the the wiffle blast tournament. But how you been? I guess bowling too. So that's a lie. But how have you been since the season came to an end? Here, it's been a couple of months. But how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. You know, I mean, um kind of a downtime but a big time for us you talk about my foundation a little bit you know that was a, a grind for the last two months before our event that happened a few weeks ago or a week ago um so that was uh that was a tough time we're getting ready for another event coming up in march that's going to benefit uh some kids uh with pediat- pediatric cancer um but for the most part man you know since football season's been over i'm, I'm missing football i know I'm missing football, man. You know, it's always – and then once the Super Bowl was over, I'm like, damn, what are we going to do now? But you know how the NFL is. They uh, they keep you they keep, keep you one more and they keep giving you more. Especially with these new coaches we have and, and kind of how fun it's been to cover them so far. It's, it's, it's kept me busy for sure. But every year, man, right around like – right around the second half of the second game on championship weekend, I kind of get the blues because you start to realize like this is pretty much it. We have one more game, the Super Bowl, and then, you know, after that – it's eight months of, of basketball and baseball and, and other sports. So, but we're here to talk about a big part of the NFL calendar. And like you mentioned, the calendar never sleeps really the scouting combine coming up this week. I wanted to have you just kind of take me through your experience to kick this thing off. And I know you had a very unique experience in terms of not working out. Um, just talk about the process of getting there. You, you told me the decision to work out or not was a last minute thing. Just kind of walk us through your experience of, Accepting the combine invite, getting there, all that stuff. Yeah, there's so few combine invites as there are, you know, as there is, Travis. And so getting one is always big. You know, it's a lot easier for guys that go to bigger schools, as you know, uh, to get an invite to the combine. And the fact that I was slated to go first or second round, you know, it's pretty much a given, hopefully, that I was going to get an invitation invitation to the combine. And sure enough, I did. Before that, I went to Japan and played in the Japan Bowl. I went to Japan to play in that bowl because I was giving a couple other guys on my team an opportunity to get some exposure. 
you know? So they said, if I came, then I could bring a couple other guys with me. And so that's what happened. And those guys were able to go over there and get some exposure as well. But in the process of that, I, I tore my PCL on a punt return there, you know? So that was in like January combine somewhere in February. I had about a few weeks to try to get my PCL repaired without surgery. So it took a little time for me to decide. So I didn't know if I was going to be able to work out a combine or if I was going to work out a combine or, or was not going to be able to work out a combine. And, and it turns out that I got to the point where, you know, if I go here and all these other top receivers go up here and they run, they lift, they do all these agility drills and they outshine me when I'm not healthy, that, that's not a good business move, you know? So what I did was I went there and I did all the, you know, physical stuff. I did all the interviews with the, you know, with all the uh, organizations that wanted to interview me. And I spent a lot of time at, you know, at the MRI center there just trying to, so they can get a good picture of what my knee looked like at that point. Um, so I decided to delay my workout for the team, for the pros for like another three or four weeks out back at Penn State. But while I was at Combine, man, it was so intimidating, bro. I mean, it really was so intimidating. First of all, you got all, all your peers out there. All the guys out there that, you know, you, you've read about, you know, you probably haven't played much against, you know, and then a lot of guys in the same position that, you know, that didn't go to a Penn State, but went to some other school. They want to prove to the, the rest of the guys that I, I belong here, you know. So I was there, like, really kind of like one of the top three receivers in the league at that point coming out with uh, Curtis Conway out of USC being number one, Sean Dawkins, you know, out of Cal being number two. And then I was, quote, unquote, the number three guy at that point. So um, for me to go there and try to work out, Travis, and possibly embarrass myself, it wasn't an option at that point. But what I did know was I could go and do the Wonderlick test, test, which I think is obsolete now. I could interview with these guys, which I knew how to interview with them, you know, and then get the, get the other tests that they needed me to have, man. But still, with that being said, over 330 guys, all vying for their, you know, for their, their dream to be in the NFL, it was, it was, I was nervous as hell, bro. I have so many questions about everything you just said because, and it wouldn't be a crossover drive time fish tank without the old guy thing coming up. Right. And that's where I'm going to go with this because what you talked about with the Japan bull is completely over my head. So t tell me how it was in those days, because now it's, it's, it's East West shrine bull. They have the NFL PA bull. And these are basically like ranking levels of like projected draft stock, like the NFL PA bulls, potential undrafted guys, six, seventh rounders, shrine bulls, more middle round guys. Then the senior bull, you get a bunch of first, second, third round picks in there. Is that not how it was? Like, tell me what it was like for the yeah. all-star game ramp up. Yeah, a lot of guys were afraid of Senior Bowl. They were afraid of Senior Bowl because Senior Bowl was where the best of the best were going and people didn't want to, you know, they, they didn't want to see uh, or, or showcase that they might not be able to compete with some of the best of the best. So for me, I was going to go to Japan Bowl and then, which, um, you know, I think, I don't know when they stopped that, probably late 90s, somewhere in there. And then I was going to go straight to Senior Bowl from there. Um, so the Senior Bowl was where you go and you compete. That's where you stack up against the best. You know, and everybody was excited about that. Some guys went to Hawaii. There was a bowl there. Some people went to the East-West Ryan game, which was out in California. But those games weren't as competitive. Those They were fun games. Like, the Japan Bowl was like an all-star game. It was fun. Okay. We practiced 30 minutes a day. You know wow. what I mean? Steve Spurrier was our head coach. He gave us, a like, a 15-page playbook, you know, that he wrote down on paper <laughs> that we learned on a flight over there, a 13-and-a-half-hour flight. That's incredible. Um, you know, and that's, that was it. And so we really just kicked it over there. But Senior Bowl, you know you got to work. You know, the one-on-ones, full pads, um, you know, all the pros that are there, the pro scouts and GMs that were there. So that was the one that I really want to try to 
boost. I want to try to boost my draft status by going to Senior Bowl. Um, some of the other guys got dropped off in Hawaii, you know, on the way back from Japan, which is like, you know, that's cool. But me, I need to get here to the Senior Bowl because I wanted to, you know, perform or try to perform against the best of the best and see if I could boost my status. Because right at that point, Travis, I was projected somewhere between 22 and the end of the first round, maybe early into the second round. So in order to try to bump, bump that up a little bit, let me go in here and compete against some of these corners that are, you know, top 10 picks. Uh, see what they what it looks like with Curtis Conway, you know, who's a top 10 pick uh, projected at, at wide receiver. And so that was my whole gig for, you know, doing Japan. But then I was definitely headed back to do Senior Bowl until I got hurt. Man, I'm sure I'm sure that was like a distraught moment where you got that injury. But looking back in hindsight, maybe that's what caused you to fall to the Miami Dolphins and put you here in South Florida where you live and you do a bunch of work and great stuff in the community. So maybe a blessing in disguise there, I oh, guess, is the yeah. upside to look at that. Without a doubt, man, because what I heard was, you know, I, I was projected to go 22 to San Diego, which would have been great. You know, I wanted to go close to home. Or you know, go nice warm. <laughs> yeah, or go warm, you know. And uh, so San Diego would have worked. But I also found out that you know, if the Dolphins didn't take me at twenty five, that the Buffalo Bills are going to take me at twenty six. No, 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 no. And so yeah, man. So I'm definitely a blessing that I did drop <laughs> a little bit in the draft and got to play with Marino and get coached by Don Shula. Man, it was like. I mean, come on, who could ask for better than that? It's funny how it all comes together. Now we're doing the show together and because of that, basically. I mean, if you go to Buffalo, right. we're probably not doing this <laughs> podcast. So crazy, crazy way that happens. But, you know, we're talking about the combine here and that kind of lead up to, to the combine. And what fascinates me is how these kids go from essentially nowadays you opt out of your bowl game most of the time to start getting your draft prep ready. And then you basically do all these track type of drills and there's no real like wind down time for these either seniors in college or, you know, third year players that declare early. Is that how it was for you? Were you going out and, and running forties and, and working on your broad jump and stuff? Or what was it like in the prep and the run up to the combine? Yeah. You know, there's so many now, nowadays there's so many facilities that do this, this prep for combine, you know, I mean, and agents are involved a lot more. Once you decide, you know, who your agent's going to be, they'll get you in a facility that, you know, everybody's really judging you first and foremost, in my opinion, on that 40 time. So if you can prove to guys that you're faster than what you, that they thought you were, or if you can prove to guys that you're just as fast as you look like you are on film, that's key. So a lot of times you go to these places and in these places, they've got guys that are, you know, top picks too. So you get to work against some of the best of the best, for a couple months as well. And so for me, you know, I just worked out at Penn State because I was working out against guys on my team that were potentially going to the pros as well. Now, I mean, there's so many amazing facilities down here in South Florida, out in Arizona and Texas and California where these players uproot themselves and go for a couple months to get ready for combine. You know, everything combine is related from the interview process. They prep you on that for obviously for the 40, you know, the, the agility drills, the, the, you know, the three cones, the, you know, the gauntlet that the wide receivers do. They prepare you for all these different things, you know, just so that no matter what your numbers are, what's going, a lot of people are going to look at when it comes to your, your draft status. And then you'll see that these guys are the ones that are running faster, that are stronger. Um, you know, speaking of strength, i one thing I was not going to do was lift because I knew that <laughs> I knew my draft status, status might plummet if they put me on that bench press, Travis. Because I was I was not trying to go out there and bench, man. But these other guys, man, they're they're workout warriors and they look great on 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 paper. But then you uh, you know, bottom line is you know you got to see what they look like 
on the field. Yeah, I guess, sometimes I guess it boosts the guys and sometimes it drops them. And that, you know, I want to come back to that and talk about those on-field workouts. But you had alluded to earlier, you know, the Wonderlick test. And I, I think you mentioned obsolete. Do they do they not even do it anymore? They might not even do it at all. I don't. I don't yeah, I don't. That. Yeah, I don't know if they do or not, man. But yeah, I, that wasn't something I was worried about. You know, because you know, honestly, man, I got to where I was mostly on my grades. So I knew that, you know, my football knowledge was okay. There's some guys that might worry about that, but, you know, from my mom was a stickler for education. And so every time I went, you know, for the next level of school, you know, it was always about the grades first and then football second. So, you know, even when I got to Penn State, you know, school wasn't as tough as, you know, as my high school was, which was, which was great. So for the Wonderlick test, I wasn't worried. And now you can actually get, like, I mean – before that, you you can actually get kind of a copy of it or kind of some get an idea of what some of the questions are. Yeah. Like we talked about some of these facilities that these guys are going to, and they've, they've seen every single question, so they know how to prepare you for them as well. Yeah, I just – I don't really – I don't see the translation for where it actually, you know, equates to, to being a good football player. I think I think Danny had one of the lower wonderlicks, and he was the greatest quarterback of all time. So it kind of shows you maybe why it's become obsolete. I want to come back on the other side of the break and continue this conversation with you, OJ, and talk about – what the week in Indy ultimately does to a player's draft status, and plenty more here on the Drive Time Podcast, presented by AutoNation. All right, we're back here on the Drive Time Podcast. I have OJ McDuffie of the Fish Tank Podcast, the post-game show on 560, with our good buddy Seth Levitt. Big Seth, not in the house today. We're talking combine here with OJ McDuffie. And Juice, you know, we talked a little bit about the the Wonderlick and the meeting portion of the week in Indianapolis. What was that like when you... Because you, you knew about your medical, you had to get the check, and you, you knew you maybe were, maybe weren't going to work out, but you did know you were going to meet with teams. Was that a pretty nerve-wracking process? And when you got in there, did any of those nerves ever calm, or was it always pretty high stress? Yeah, you know how it is, Travis, with anything, man. Your first impression means everything to a lot of people, man. So, you know, first thing you want to think about going into those meetings is your appearance. You know, you want to make sure you come in, you make sure you're on time. You know, and you make sure that, you know, you greet everybody with respect, no matter who's in that building. You know, everybody, I mean, in that in that meeting room, you'll make sure you treat them with respect. And that was always uh, important for me and obviously for, you know, for organizations, because honestly, man, there are so many things that could red flag you for a team, you know. And one of those things is, you know, punctuality, you know, because, you know, we're as you, you're in the building. You know that everything is regimented, meetings, 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 break meetings again. And, you know, on time, early, all that stuff matters. So if you're starting off your NFL career and you're late to a meeting or, you know, you come in and you're tired from at that meeting or you're not, uh, you know, courteous to the guys that are there spending their time trying to figure out if you're the right guy for the organization, that's the first red flag you'll get, you know, and, that, and that, that, that's all we, that was key. So nerves, absolutely. I mean, everything about it. Yeah. Most of these guys, it's their first job interview. And you're 21, you know, 22. It's crazy. Yeah, it's their first job interview. They've never worked before, most of them. They might have done some, you know, you know, in the offseason, but there was never an interview for it. You know, they were just given a job to make them a couple bucks, you know, put a couple bucks in their pocket. But this is the first real job interview you have. So uh, that first impression was huge, man. And so, you know, the few teams I talked to, and the Dolphins were not one of them, you know. There you go. Um, yeah. I just made sure that I was, you know. But, you know, word of mouth is always going to get around. So if I'm talking to, say, Tennessee, Tennessee at that time, they were the Houston Oilers at that time, you know, say I'm talking to them, you know, they're going to talk to some guys from the Dolphins at dinner that night or lunch the next day and like talk about maybe how pleasant OJ was or how punctual he was or, you know, how smart he might have been. Uh, so 
You know, you talk to one team, you're talking to all of them in those situations. As a very late bloomer in the maturity game, I can't imagine putting my entire professional life on the line like that at 22 years old. I just wouldn't have been able to handle it with the way my mind at that age works. So it's it's impressive what these kids are able to, to do. And I, they are kids, man. They, they are. Yeah. That's, what, that's yeah. what you are in your early 20s. And the way they can handle it, it's so impressive. And OJ, I think a lot of guys have one of these stories. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Do you remember the weirdest or question that maybe caught you off guard the most you got in those meetings? I really don't, man. And I've heard that a lot, which is like, and some of it's still a fog to me, man, because it was so like, um, you know, out of the ordinary, what was going on and being there was like so weird for me in, in the first place. But I, I never really got a strange question. I've heard some of the strange questions that have been asked by some, you know, some of these guys. And I bet some of them hardly ever remember unless it's out of the ordinary. So yeah. everything to me seemed like it was ordinary. Um, normal questions about, you know, where I'm from and, you know, uh, my upbringing and things like that, but never some of the questions I've seen, you know, on social media and things like that that some of these guys were asked. And it really, I, I don't know if sometimes they ask that stuff, Travis, to kind of get you off, catch you off guard and see if you can get back on track, you know, and still continue to be professional about the interview. But yeah, nothing strange came out during my interviews because I think they felt like, I mean, my background was pretty solid. You know, my mom's a hardworking woman. You know, there was nothing ever crazy that went on in my family that, you know, well, I guess now anything can be, you know, you can find out anything about anybody's family just right. through, through social media. <laughs> but for me, I was just an ordinary dude from Ohio, man. Went to Penn State and then uh, pretty boring for the most part. So nothing nothing crazy really came out, you know, in those interviews for me. Well, that that's good to hear. And, you know, I think I think we hear less of those stories nowadays, and, and that's probably a function of some of those crazy stories, but that that's one way it might've changed. But as you watch the combine juice, I don't know if you, if you get into it too much, you know, these days, but from your experience when you were there back in the nineties compared to what it is now, what do you think are some of the biggest differences between the combine then and now? Well, I think the coverage of it for one, yeah. you know, obviously uh, with NFL network covering every single, every single second of it. Um, and, you know, I think that the, the importance of combine is, is, it's always been there. But now, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of emphasized. And what I like to see, you know, is a lot of guys, you know, that were kind of like, you know, on the bubble as in terms of their talent level or where they might have played or the talent they played against to see them stack up against guys. But for the most part, I think people like you and I, we hunger for so much football that, you know, we can't wait for the next step in the NFL schedule, you know, and that next step, you know, is the combine because everybody's trying to look to see how they're going to improve their team. You know, everybody's watched a lot of college football because it's on every single channel on Saturday. You can catch seven to eight games, you know, easily a day if you're sitting there watching football the whole time. So you see these guys that you would have never seen before. Now you get to see them work out against, uh, you know, guys that played at Alabama, guys that played at Penn State, guys that played at UM, and uh, see how they stack up with those type of numbers and size-wise and things like that. So I just think the whole, um, you know, the, the – the whole spectacle of the whole thing is, is grown so much. Um, people are so enthralled with these, these college kids coming out and seeing some of these kids that they, they never saw on TV before. It's just fun, man. Especially when you see the wideouts get out there and they stack up against each other. You know, I wish they could do some one-on-ones, Travis. And then we could really see what's going on out there, right? That's, that'd be that'd be ideal right there. That's why the you senior bowl I mean? is so great. I mean, that's you, you touched on it earlier. That's exactly why the senior bowl is so great. Those one-on-one drills, and they they put them on tape for us now. They upload it to YouTube and and give us like the right behind the action shot of that. It's it's perfect, and it, to me, it's one of the best scouting experiences you get. 
So you mentioned the receiver drills. What are you looking for out there on the field at the Combine when the receivers go through the drills? They have the gauntlet one. They obviously do the runs and the jumps. And But some yeah. of the on-field drills, what are you actually looking for for guys to separate themselves out there at receiver? Yeah, I think the first thing you're going to look at, obviously, is speed. You know, that's what they want first and foremost. And your speed, you know, sometimes you run a 40 times fast, but some, do you play fast as a football player is a different question. And a lot of these guys, hopefully it translates. But then you, the most important thing about being a receiver is catching football. So they want to see how comfortable you are catching the football, how well you come out of your breaks. You know, do you, do you attack the football coming back to it on certain routes? And then that gauntlet drill is like really a really a great drill because, you know, a lot of times receiver, you got to get your head around. So you're running down that line and you got to, you know, get your head around and they want to see how smooth you are catching that football, man. There's a lot of guys that can run well, but they fight the football all the time as a receiver. If they're fighting the football now, they're going to fight the football the rest of their lives. You know what I mean? And I always say confidence in your hands comes from having great eyes. So if your eyes are great, your hands will be great. And so you see these guys walking, you know, running the gauntlet and going back and forth, you know, catching those passes. And not only that, how much stress is on the quarterbacks that they have right? you know, throwing those <laughs> passes to them too, you know? So you got to make that quarterback look good too. And that's our job a lot of times to make the quarterback look good as well. But that gauntlet drill is a great drill. It's a great football drill. Getting your head around, comfortable catching the football, running down the line and following instructions. Some guys, you, you see it, Travis, all the time, they're giving an instruction, and then they, you know, yes. they mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> and after five guys have already done it, and that, you know, teams don't like that, bro. You know what I mean? They don't like seeing that. So, you know, even me, as I coach little kids nowadays, I say, if I'm coaching, if I'm talking to one person, I'm talking to everybody, you know? And so I like that. I think that's the same thing that needs to happen with some of these guys that go into the combine. You know, if you mess up a drill, and uh, they've already told it to four or five guys before that, that's a red flag, you know? And so there's a different ways of getting red flags, man. But bottom line is you can do all that stuff at Combine, Travis, that, you know, and look good, but that film that you already put out there, you know, from your college days is what they really, really need to rely on more than anything. That's one of my favorite parts of the combine is you get to hear that on-field coach and like, don't be the fourth guy in line and mess up my drill. Like you just saw three guys do it before you don't, don't come out here and do that. And then you get the guys that will, you know, I hear this all the time from the commentary that the, uh, you know, it used to be Mike Mayock. Now I stay on Jeremiah. They always say on the gauntlet drill, stay on that line. Don't be weaving back and forth and, and being all over the place. And the football winds up hitting you off the head and it turns into a whole mess. So it's, it's, right. it's high stress, man, like you mentioned. And it's fun for us as fans, but I can't imagine, you know, all those eyes on you and just knowing how big and how important it is. And with that in mind, how important do you think the combine ultimately is? Like how much do you think a player can really boost or negatively impact their draft status this week? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of the guys are, are are solid. You know, I think sometimes they just want to see how they stack up against other guys. But guys can boost their, their draft status if they, you know, say, I mean, say you're a guy that goes to, all right, Montana State, just, you know, just as an example. I don't even know anything about Montana State. There's nothing bad against him. But he comes out there and he runs a four two five or something. You know, then, you know, then you're perked up. You have to be right. And then he runs the gauntlet drill and he, you know, he, you know, he, he broad jumps 11 feet, you know, and lifts, you know, the two and a quarter, 20 times. You got to start thinking about guys like that. You know, you'd like, you'd love to see him at the senior bowl to see how he actually plays against guys from Alabama. But at the same time, though, you know, these numbers are numbers that can translate at the next level. So it can boost a lot, but it can definitely hurt you too. Yeah, you we, know, that's one of the reasons we didn't want to run an Indy because Indy, Indy was always a slow track. And he was always a slow track. So if you're a four four, a you know mid four four guy, you go there and you run four five, and that's a that's a bad thing, 
you know? So I wasn't even thinking about running an Indy. I might've done the other things, but I wasn't gonna run my 40 at Indy at all because I know that track was considered slow. I'd rather run it back at Penn State, which is what I did when I ran the four fours. You know, but if I'd have ran an Indy, I'd have been a four five two guy. I'd have never gotten in the first <laughs> round. So yeah, it can definitely definitely hurt you, but it can, it can certainly help some other guys. Well, again, I'm glad it all worked out the way it did because, like I said, the butterfly effect has you here talking with me on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Juice, I have one more question for you. I want to come back after the break and get to that. OJ McDuffie from the Fish Tank Podcast here on Drive Time, brought to you by Auto Nation. All right, back here with OJ McDuffie here on the Drive Time Podcast. We are presented by Auto Nation and Juice. I know this is a combine po- uh, podcast, but you know, as I've gotten to know you, man, and consider you one of my closest friends, it really makes me appreciate what you've achieved even more. So, what I want to do is is just kind of go back to when you got the call on draft night. I'm sure you recall that night very well. Can you tell our audience about getting the call, the first conversation with? Shula with mom after the fact and just knowing that you had realized your dream of making the National Football League. Yeah, well, as you know, man, even that has changed a lot. You know, we talked about the national coverage of the of the combine. How about the, the coverage of the draft nowadays? You know, I talked to some guys that play for the Dolphins that, you know, might have got a telegram back in the day. They let <laughs> us know they got drafted. You know what I mean? There was no email. There's no, no TV coverage. They might have got a phone call. They didn't answer the call. Uh, but for me, you know, I knew, and ours was on Sunday. We started on Sunday. Uh, Sunday afternoon was the first uh, first round draft back then. Yeah. Um, but I was at Penn State the night before, hanging out for like uh, the spring game, and I drove to Cleveland that morning. But I knew, like I told you, I was only I was going twenty something in the draft. So that's going to be late in the day, you know. Um, so for me, I was just just hoping I stayed in that first round. You know, that was the bottom line. You just want to stay in that first round because even then, the money drop off from you know, last pick in the first round, the first pick in the second round was humongous. It was huge, you know, so it was really about that. But, you know, I'm there and I'm tired. Um, kicked it all night at Penn State because I finally got a chance to relax and I knew the hay was in the barn at that point. <laughs> There's nothing I could do about my draft status at that point, you know. Um, and so I was, I, was just, I was just really, really tired. There was a camera crew from Cleveland at my house, but I went home and I, I, I fell asleep on the couch, you know what I mean? Waiting for the phone call, because I knew, like I said, I wasn't going to call until at least 22nd. Um, so 22nd came, no phone call. 23rd came, no phone call. 24th came, no phone call. I got the first call. It was Don Shula from the Dolphins, and he asked me if I you know, if I wanted to be a, a Miami Dolphin. What kind of question Hell is yeah, that, right? I do. What, kind of, what kind of question is that? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I was like, I was like, yeah, absolutely, coach. You know Turn what I mean? I got, I got what I wanted. I got warm. I got Dan Marino, and I got Don Shula. Man, I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better situation, man. So I was just, I was just stoked, man. I, I just couldn't believe it, man, because like you talk about, it's a childhood dream, you know, for to get drafted in the NFL, and then to hear the legend Don Shula, you know, call your phone. Home phone, by the way, not the cell phone. You know what I mean? Not it's the home phone because that's all we had at that point. You know, and anybody calling you, you know, trying to call the house at that point, you know, you don't you don't want to answer, but you Get have to answer. Line, but tell you, say my cousin calls. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, if Chula calls, it's gonna ring busy because you didn't have call waiting or anything back then. You know, it's, it was it was it was crazy, man. But to hear that and to be able to realize that childhood dream, man, it was just amazing. And then, of course, my mom, who you know. Man, God bless her, man. Just did everything she could to put me in the position that we were in that day. 
in uh, April of 1993 to, to get that call. I mean, it was just, uh, it, it was just unbelievable, man. I could, I, I was like, we got in the car. We're, uh, we lived in Cleveland. We got in the car right after I got that call. We drove to my hometown of Marion, Ohio, which is almost three hours away. And when we got there, the whole town was at my aunt's house. You know what I mean? Because somebody in our small town had made it, you know, or had gotten, or was going to get the opportunity to make it. And it was just incredible, bro. It was so incredible. This is why I want you to be a subject on the fish tank juice. I know, I know it's against the, against the way we do it, but I want to have Seth just interview you, man. I, I, I got to hear more of these stories and, and you can hear stories like this on the fish tank with OJ and his fantastic co-host Seth Levitt. OJ, yeah. man, we appreciate your time so much. We'll get you back on here down the line to talk about these wide outs. Does that sound good? Wide outs? <laughs> Let's go, Travis. Let's go. We'll, we'll break them down again here soon, Juice. Sounds good to me, man. Uh, thanks for coming on again. We'll talk to you soon, bud. All right. Thanks for having me on, T. And there he goes, the great OJ McDuffie. What a great podcast that was. And just interesting perspective there on the Combine and how kind of crazy that week can be and stressful for the players. And we'll be at the Combine with you all week here, covering all the action from player availabilities. We'll uh, we'll get a chance to talk to Coach at the podium at the Scouting Combine as well. I believe that's coming up today on Wednesday. And we'll also have some on-field workout uh, commentary. We'll we'll wrap it up at the end of the po- at the end of the week with some RAS scorecards, and we'll get Kent Lee Platt on the podcast. We're gonna have you covered wall to wall here on the Drive Time Podcast with the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine from Indianapolis. That's coming your way. Keep your eye on Twitter. I'll be out on the floor getting questions and answers all day long. In the meantime, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins across all social media platforms. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and OJ. Great stories every single week there, bi-weekly now. Also, the YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline, daddy's coming home.